Welcome to the No Bad Karma Podcast, where our mantra is to give your choices a purpose bigger than yourself. And tonight I have the story of Jane Jetson and failing at my own mantra because of the uh, damage I feel I've incurred in my relationships with uh, Pizza Baby and Pasta Baby. I spoke recently of behavior, and this is an example of bad behavior. So if you want to know how being a sugar daddy changed my life, here's a perfect example. So as I said, it's the story of Jane Jetson and how I failed at my own mantra, something I found find uh, difficult to talk about. But I'd rather fail and acknowledge the mistake than be hung up on it, no matter what it may cost me. Uh, and that decision's out of my hands now. Uh, I spoke recently of perspective and values, and I mentioned behavior, and my behavior did not reflect my values. And I've been trying to put perspective on that. And the bottom line is that I made a mistake and I, I didn't even understand, uh, really the reason for my actions and my actions until afterwards. And, and, uh, it's my damage. It's a, a, a hypersensitivity, uh, that comes from the relationships, uh, with all my exes, uh, most uh, specifically pizza baby but also pasta baby and uh, today marks the two-year anniversary of the termination of that relationship another time when i failed to manage my behavior and uh this is a uh, part of the two-year anniversary series because of that so here's the story of jane jetson and how i failed her my personal mantra is to live for humanity than others than yourself. And on March 2nd, I think it was, was my humanity uh, podcast. And I focused my attention. I ended up taking a break because I focused my attention on a project I'm working on for humanity if they want it. And I decided to spend some time with uh, others in my life, my parents, my daughter. And I, then I decided to, to do something for myself and try dating again. So at that time, I'm on two platforms, people. It's uh, Bumble and Facebook dating. Yes, I have a dating app. It's down at the bottom on the phone. And after about a week, and, and I met a lot of real people there, actually. And after about a week, I'm done reading profiles and s start swiping right on appearance, which means, you know, I've got the uh, Thumb Olympics going on. And unless you're cracking the phone screen, I'm probably swiping right. So... End of March, I meet someone, and she lives 99 miles south, straight down an interstate where there's a ramp about two blocks from my house, and uh, you get off and you go about two blocks and you're at her house. Now, people, I don't know about you, but it can be very difficult to, to get to know someone over messaging. But things were a little different with Jane Jetson, you know, not at first, but uh, as soon as she said she got her karma and then some without really knowing my story, I, I knew she was coming from a different place. I knew uh, she got things. And as we talked about uh, how relationships should be and how dating should be and how spending time with someone should be. Uh, you know, we both understood it just doesn't have to be difficult. You're either into someone and want to be with them or you're not. You either realize your perspective and value values are similar and what you want out of life are the same or they're not. You know, the grass is always going to look greener at some point. Uh, you know, <laughs> With some of the people I've uh, uh, dated, I'll, I'll 
say this, you, you know, and to acknowledge everyone, you know, mammals are not monogamous, but you understand the value of a monogamous relationship or one that's ethically non-monogamous, whatever you're into and whatever you've agreed upon. The point is you're finding a partner that looks at things like you do, uh, you know, uh, one of the most hurtful things ever said to me is uh, by pizza baby is I don't want to take care of you when you're old. And this is after I was forever at one point. And, uh, you know, so if I dating someone younger, which Jane Jetson uh, is, uh, you know, I always say, look, you're not going to have to change my diapers. Don't worry about that. If there's a point where I can't get it up, we'll figure that out then, you know, whatever. The point is you find someone you trust with what you want with everything. So, you know, I don't feel that way about everyone I meet. I felt that way about my ex-wife. I felt that way about pizza baby. I felt that way about pasta baby. And, uh, you know. But like I said, I don't feel that way about every woman I meet. And that's why I've been single two years. So about a year ago, I realized no one lasted three dates. So I pretty much felt if I wasn't ready to marry someone by the third date. And I don't necessarily mean that literally, but you know what I mean? Like if I'm not ready to and not saying I'm going to commit to them, not saying I'm going to marry them, not saying I'm going to date them exclusively. But if I'm not feeling that by the third date, then they're not worth keeping around, uh, except to hope maybe we'll mutually agree to pass time or something, um, which was kind of the relationship with the uh, vodka baby that I mentioned, but it was really more uh, friendship and based on getting her sober. It wasn't even, you know, screw buddies or anything like that. So long story short, after four or five weeks of chatting with uh, Jane Jetson in a couple of video calls, uh, she makes a day trip up. So I said earlier, Jane got her karma and then some. And as a result, she... Uh, and her, her daughter, who's around a year old, live at home with her parents. And she's close with her family, close with her siblings. Her goal is to kind of have the relationship her uh, uh, parents have, to have the type of family life her parents gave her. You know, I mean, that's great. It's some people don't admire their parents anymore and what they have and understand that they've struggled through something. Somebody that does. I mean, that's pretty cool. So Jane's literally, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, che checking off every box, I guess I want to say, as I'm getting to know her during our chats leading up to this trip. But, you know, it all feels really surreal to me. You know, it, it, and I don't mean infatuation or anything like that. Like, not real. Like, you know, she's not a bot. She definitely wasn't looking for sugar. She didn't have Prince Charming syndrome. She was real, but surreal. And then she pulls up in my driveway, gets out of the car, hugs me. And man, I, I can't tell you. First of all, I realized the last real hug I had was about two or three days before I broke up with uh, Pasta Baby. Uh, 
and only one other person in the last two years made me feel anything. And that was a, a friend of mine who I ref- refer to as Agent 99. But Jane hugged me and it was real. Felt like we'd known each other for years. And she said the same thing. Let me talk about my friend Agent 99 for a minute. So I have Jane 99 miles to the south and Agent 99 is 99 miles to the north. And she remains my friend today. And frankly, of all the women I ever had sex with, she's still the only one that still speaks to me and I care to speak to. So, uh, you know, she taught me a couple of valuable lessons. One was a year ago, which makes this part of my one year anniversary series. But another was, uh, which you'll find on my website in the coming days on the No Bad Karma website in the coming days. But the other was a failure on uh, 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 my part. I got to know her and I just simply wasn't a friend to her first. She had just broken up with her ex and was not in a place to like really want to, you know, build out a relationship, just wanted to be good friends first. I was lucky to to spend time with her, even though it took her a while to get here. But the uh, we only spent time together twice. And in, in, in that first year of uh, knowing each other, about 24 hours or uh, 36 hours, I think it added up to in uh, her two visits. But then at the end of that year, we I was going through a dark time and we were talking on the phone and she made it very clear that, uh, and she had made it clear leading up to that, but especially in that call that I just simply hadn't been a friend first. And it made me realize that I developed all, you know, I've had plenty of female friends in my life. I have one from college still I keep in touch with uh, occasionally and we still talk like it was yesterday, but the, I've developed good friendships because I believe your partner should be your friendship as I develop the relationship. And sometimes when you're dating people, they just need you to be a a friend first and you should be a friend first, which I do try to be, but I just wasn't being friend enough. So from the time I met Jane and in this odd coincidence of 99 miles South, 99 miles North, and there were age similarities and whatnot, you know, I really remembered that. And I really tried to to make that the uh, put that first. So that's why I spent weeks messaging her and getting trying to get it to know her. And after a couple of weeks, she said she'd come up and visit. And then she didn't. And sure, I did mention it a couple of times, but uh, uh, she ended up saying four times she was going to come up and visit before she did. And she picked those times, not me. But what did I say earlier? I said, if somebody showed up three times, I'd be ready to marry him. And it turns out Jane came for a third visit and she got a ring. In fact, we talked about eloping before the third date, just going to the courthouse. But she got a ring because she didn't want to go behind her parents' back. She wanted them to accept me. We... I don't even think we had done anything but kissed at that point. Two dates. This was our third date. And she got a ring. And I still have had sex with her. How traditional can that be in today's world? 
So here you go. Three weeks ago, she gets a ring and four days later, my behavior, I believe, uh, leaves me single. So let me kind of bottom line what happened. Excuse me. Her parents weren't real excited about her meeting me from the beginning, not because I'm twice her age, but because of her past decisions. So she comes here, gets a ring, leaves on a Saturday, says she'll be back on a Sunday or Monday, which surprised me. But again, she told me that said she wanted to tell her parents, goes home and tells them. And I get a text that says no, (laughs) which I expected and she expected. And then we were going to decide how to handle that. Now, at the same time, there's an illness in her family. There's a, a sibling, which I didn't even know about till later, makes a moving announcement. Happens a few days later. Uh, she's uh, planning a birthday party for her daughter. So I realize all this. I, I know she's got stuff going on. I'm trying to be a friend first. And I'm feeling moody a couple nights after she leaves and and gets a ring. And I bite my tongue because I I know I'm about to make a comment that's going to come out wrong. And she, you know, but, you know, I kind of started saying and she encouraged me to say it. So I said it and it came out wrong and she took it wrong and the call abruptly ended. And I, I don't think I've spoken to her on the phone since maybe once. And it wasn't a video chat. And in our messaging going back and forth, she made a comment about coming back for an item of her daughter's as she left here. And I literally felt that that was hanging over my head and she was going to come back for that. So. And now I don't even remember if it was a few days later or a week and a few days later, but I returned it. I made the 99 mile drive south that I had offered to make several times to meet her that she never took me up on. I'd have to wait for her to come here. So I returned the item. I put it in her yard in a garbage bag because it was raining and then I texted her and told her it was there. And she was pissed. And she was right to be pissed. Because I should not have communicated my frustration so extremely. And it really shouldn't be forgiven. But here's the sad thing. Because immediately after that action, I felt cleansed. I didn't understand why for about 48 hours, but I can tell you why. I, I mean, it came to me pretty quickly. I am, I, I allowed myself, I guess, to I chose evidently to be damaged uh, by the way Pizza Baby and Pasta Baby treated me. And really, it's Pizza Baby because I would, you know, we'd go out to the store, go to dinner. We were a couple. She'd be loving on me, touching me. I'd see people that would know me. My divorce isn't final. My kid goes to a Christian school, but I was out with her and we were a couple. She brought me into her family. In fact, I was the first boy she brought home to sleep in her childhood bedroom. Damn near her dad's age. I mean, that's flattering. That says something. But when it came to her friends, 
Two times in three years we were out publicly. Two times in three years. Plenty of them knew me. They'd come over and hang out at our place. Pasta baby? That was all about family. There was no problem taken out with friends. We just didn't leave the house. And her sister lived with us. And I basically ended up supporting both of them when I was dead broke. So I'm kind of sensitive to me time, I realized. And in the course of fighting over text, which I never recommend and I super avoid, and uh, uh, back to Jane Jetson, you know, I've got no reason to not to trust her. She's literally a dream come true. I'd much rather be a father again than a grandfather like some of my friends. I mean, God bless you, my high school childhood friend from across the street who was over here a couple of weeks ago. We got to tell your story, brother. Uh, but I'm not ready to be a grandfather like you are. I loved being a dad and I'd do it again. This woman wants a life I want, the family environment I like, wants a a guy to be a partner, and then the hug. Oh my God, everything's great. I'm on cloud nine, and I've been infatuated, and this isn't infatuation. It's different. This is just fantastic. But here we are, seven weeks in, and I can't get to know a person any further, this person, Jane Jetson, without spending time with her. And I just feel like I'm not a priority. And I communicated that. And I didn't need to be the priority. I just wanted to be a priority. I could have been 10th. You could have said, she could have said it. Uh, You know, give me a couple weeks before I come back, not two days. When I ask about family, you're making as much about, she was making as much about how it fit into whether or not she could come up than, than I could. I'd ask about things and she'd say, she didn't want to talk about it. And that's when she said, because she wants me to be a shelter from her family. Okay, wait a minute. Now I realize my action was extreme. And all I needed to do was talk about my frustration. And for some reason, I couldn't. But here in fighting, she mentions a shelter from her family. So my acknowledged grumpiness starts this. And I was, I know that was because I was feeling this family interference. Okay, I want to be someone's shelter every day. Not just from their family, not just from a situation. So today I'm in a pickle, but I'm not. Which really brings us to the pickle and the moral of this story. The pickle is, you know, I'm sorry. And it's really hard to make an unconditional apology. Because I am unconditionally sorry for my behavior. But then you always feel like you want to explain the behavior. Or you want someone to understand the behavior. And the behavior is a frustration that comes from something I used to drink away, first of all. And then I was was treated. And whenever you communicate that, that always makes an apology seem like a non-apology. 
So I failed. I could have been a better friend. Damn if I wasn't trying. And I made a selfish choice without realizing it. I did that, though, because I know someone, uh, you know, I did that because I simply want to know someone's going to make time for me, no matter what's going on in their life. And it was selfish. It's not not important. But it was selfish and my behavior was basically unexcusable. You know, pizza baby made time for me when her friends didn't want her for a while. And when they did want her, she didn't want me around. And pasta baby, other than the beginning, we did not have time alone in about a year. Store runs, taking her to work. And we lived together. With her sister. So when it came to Jane Jetson, I know there was something wrong for me. There was something I was feeling. I felt like something was going to get in the way of me being the priority a partner should be because of my hypersensitivity. And sure, I overreacted. Yes, I absolutely did. Not sure. I absolutely did. And as self as as aware as I try to be, I could not see the forest through the trees. I could not grasp a frustration I was feeling until I expelled it. Not that I meant to expel Jane Jetson. Just any excuse to come see me. So what's the moral of that story? Well, acknowledge when you fail. Because if you're trying to live your brand and you fail, you know, it's Tylenol, man. But you have to not do it again. And you have to always remember that uh, no matter how much you think you're over something and have a handle on something, you don't. And you always have to try to to keep your self-control. If you don't have self-control, you know, you have nothing, especially as a former alcoholic. I said, I highly recommend Daddy is an Alcoholic episode because I I said in there, you know, I think it's about self-control, not controlling others. Work every day to give your choices a purpose bigger than yourself. Try not to make them selfish. Acknowledge when you fail. And do better next time. I've chosen to live with no regrets. I try to acknowledge my mistakes and move on. I really don't know the disposition of the situation. Maybe I'll share it. I think I would be sharing it. But I'm pretty sure I think that's uh, disposed of. I think I disposed of it. And I apologize, Jane Jetson. Everybody give your choices a, a purpose bigger than yourself, and I'll talk to you soon.